Thank you for downloading this sermon brought to you by the preaching ministry of Liberty Baptist Church of Las Vegas, Nevada, Dr. David Tice. For more sermons in both audio and video format, we encourage you to visit experienceliberty.com. Also, for a word of encouragement, insight, and biblical inspiration, follow Pastor David Tice's blog at davidtice.com. So without further ado, let's open our hearts to the Word of God. Totally and completely blessed of Him, but there are certain requirements. I want you to take your Bibles and I want you to turn to um, uh, Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11 is the story, it's the great faith chapter. And there's story after story after story of, of men of, and women of faith that were used in Hebrews chapter 11. We're going to focus particularly on Moses this morning, and we're going to look at how God used him and some things that God taught him. Number one, uh, I, I want you to look at verse, uh, verse 6 of Hebrews chapter 11. The Bible says this, this I believe is the greatest definition of faith in Scripture. Uh, the Bible says this, but without faith, it's impossible to please him. And here's the definition. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is the rewarder of them that diligently seek him. In order to get saved, I must understand that God is. I must understand that I am a sinner, that Jesus Christ is God, that he died to pay the penalty of my sin, that he was buried, that three days later he rose from the dead. He was seen by hundreds of eyewitnesses. And I come by faith and I say, Jesus, I know I don't deserve to go to heaven. I know I deserve to go to hell. But I know that you died in my place to pay for my sins. I believe you were buried. You rose from the dead for me. And I'm putting my faith in you and asking you to give me eternal life. The Bible says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And I get saved by faith. Say amen to that. So I believe that God is. I believe that he died for me. I believe that he was buried. That I believe that he rose from the dead, proving that he was God. And I ask him to give me eternal life. And I'm saved by grace through faith in him. That's how a person gets saved. But God wants us to live by faith, not just to, not just to trust him for salvation. He wants us to live by faith and trust him for everything in our life. God wants us to live by faith. The Bible tells us that these people in Luke or in, in Hebrews chapter 11 were people who walked by faith. The Bible tells us about Moses. Look in verse 23. The Bible says by faith Moses when he was born was hid 3 months of his parents because they knew that he was a proper child and they were not afraid of the king's commandments. Now notice this. Moses was supposed to be aborted. By the order of the king, he was supposed to be taken and killed the moment he was born. That was it. That was, it, it was the end of Moses. That was the plan. But God has plans for all of us. Say amen to that. God had a greater plan for Moses, and, and God saved him. Here's how God saved him. God gave him parents, mom and dad, who said, we're not afraid of the king's commandment. We're going to do what God says. God doesn't want us killing our children, and we're not going to kill Moses. And they put him in a... In a a basket put him in, a, uh, in the river, and he was found by Pharaoh's daughter and adopted by Pharaoh's daughter and, and uh, then later uh, placed back into the hands of his mother for her to take care of him and raise him as an Egyptian. It's an amazing, it's an amazing story. The Bible goes on to say, let's read it. The Bible says, and by faith, by faith Moses, 
when he was come of years, when he got old enough, he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Choosing rather, and by the way, anything you do for God is a choice. There will be some today who choose to do what God wants them to do. There are some who say, no, I'm I'm not going to do what God wants me to do. Choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. He said, I'd rather not, I'm not, and by the way, sin is pleasurable for a time, but there's always consequences for sin. Say amen to that. The Bible says he chose rather to suffer with the people of God rather than to, than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. Then he said, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than treasures in Egypt, for he had respect unto the recompense of the reward. He said, listen, my priorities are not the world. My priorities are Jesus Christ. My my priorities are doing what God wants me to do. My priorities are being obedient to the Lord. My priorities are telling, uh, setting God's people free. My priorities are, are doing what God wants me to do. So the Bible says, by faith, he forsook Egypt. He gave up his riches. He gave up his fame. He gave up his popularity. Not fearing the wrath of God. Interesting, very interesting, that he did not fear the wrath of God. That's exactly what the Bible says about, about his parents in verse 23. They were not afraid of the king's commandment. It's amazing how children follow in their parents' footsteps. They weren't afraid, and now he's not afraid. By faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. He did what God wanted him to do. Through faith he kept the Passover, which pictures the death of Jesus Christ and his burial and his resurrection, and the sprinkling of the blood, lest he that, dest- uh, he that destroyed the firstborn should touch them. By faith, they passed through the Red Sea on dry land, which the Egyptians, assaying to do, were drowned. God protected them because they walked by faith. The Egyptians walked by sight and they were drowned, but God's people who walked by faith, believing God, <laughs> they saw the victory of God. Father, I pray in the next uh, few minutes, minutes as we're talking about securing your blessings, that God, you would just uh, encourage your people to be involved in getting your blessings in their lives. I pray, Father, as we talk about Moses and what he did, what you did through him, God, that you would just challenge us and help us to be what you want us to be. And Father, I ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. There are four things I want you to see about Moses this morning that are true about us today. If we're going to see the miraculous power of God in our lives, just as Moses saw the miraculous power of God in his life, there are four things that I want you to understand. Number one, the first thing is this, that in order to see the miraculous power of God in your life, you have to pray and believe God. You have to pray and believe God. Number two, you have to pursue God's plan. Moses pursued God's plan. Moses was a man who prayed, spent time with God. Moses was a man who said, if this is God's plan, then this is what I'm going to do. He, he pursued God's plan. He went after the plan of God. Number three, 
I want you to understand that he understood God's priorities. He knew what was important to God. What was important to God then, by the way, is the same thing that is important to us. It is important. Uh, there, there are many things that are important to God. We're going to talk about God's priorities in just a few minutes. And so we have to pray and believe God. We have to understand God's priorities. We have to pursue God's plan. Whatever it is that God wants for us to do, we have to run after that. And then God will bless us. We'll see God's blessing in our life as Moses saw God's blessing in his life when we participate in God's uh, work through giving. When we decide we're going to get involved in what God is doing, <laughs> Moses literally gave it all. God gave him life and then he gave his life back and said, God, I'll go wherever you want me to go. I'll do whatever you want me to do. But you've got all these riches. You've got all this place. You've got this palace. You've got, you might, might likely be the next Pharaoh. All of this is yours, Moses. Nope, I'm giving it all back to God so that he can use me the way, the way uh, he wants to use me. I'm telling you this, it's thousands of years later, and there are, there are multiple millions of people around this world who know the name of Moses. There's very few who know the name of the Pharaoh of Egypt at that time. We need to understand that God wants to work in our lives and bless our lives, but we have to determine we're going to participate in God's work through giving. That's what God wants us to do. God used Moses. Listen, what happened? God, Moses said, no, I'm not going to live for Egypt. No, I'm not going to follow that way. I'm going to do what God wants me to do. And immediately as he began to do things, wanting to do, it God's, wanting to do God's will, he tried to do it in the arm of his flesh. He went out in his flesh and he tried to deliver the people of God. And you know the story. We don't have time to go through the entire story, but you know the story. He, he, tried to, he killed an Egyptian slay, uh, uh, master and, and when, when that happened, he had to flee Egypt. He leaves Egypt. He is out in the desert wilderness. He becomes a shepherd and for 40 years he learns how to shepherd people by shepherding sheep. Then one day he's up on the mountain just as a shepherd and, and he sees an astonishing sight. He sees a bush burning and it just continues to burn and continues to burn. And he goes forward to see it and a voice comes from that burning bush and it's the voice of God saying, Moses, take off your shoes, you're on holy ground. And Moses begins to pray. He seeks God's face and, 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 and as he does, God speaks to him and says, Moses, my people are praying. My people in Egypt are in bondage. And because the taskmasters are there and they're treating them so bad, they are now calling out to me. And they're asking me to send a deliverer. And Moses, I'm going to send you and you are going to be the one that delivers my people. Moses is hesitant about it because he's been gone for 40 years. He's just a shepherd and God's thinking, yes, but you're, you're now ready because you care about people. You care about sheep and so he sends him back and Moses goes before before Pharaoh with this message he says to Pharaoh you need to let God's people go let my people the Lord God Jehovah says let my people go and Pharaoh res re resists and says no but God sends the plagues one plague after another plague after another plague after another plague until finally God says here's the final plague Everyone in Egypt, 
that does not put blood on their doorstep or on their doorpost and on the, on the top of the door. Uh, I'm going to send the death angel through and I'm going to kill every, every firstborn child. And, that's what's, and, and when that happens, they'll know I'm serious and they'll let you go. And so the Passover takes place. And, and the, the Jewish people are spared from the death that, that took over Egypt. People were mourning. People were weeping. And Pharaoh says, take, take, take everything you want. Just go. Get out of here. And all of God's people pack up and they follow Moses and Aaron and they leave Egypt. About two million people, it's estimated, leave. But they didn't leave to go nowhere. They left to go to a land that God had promised them, to a place that God had promised them. When they got to, to uh, as they got out a few days into the journey, they had come before the Red Sea. And, and Pharaoh now, after he got his emotions all together, he said, what am I doing letting these people go? This, they, our economy is based on their work. And we've got to get them back. And he gets his army to go after the children of Israel. Now the children of Israel are in front of the Red Sea. The Red Sea is in front of them. They are looking at the Red Sea. And the armies of Egypt are coming to them to take them back or to kill them if they won't come back. And Moses doesn't know what to do. So Moses falls on his face, and he says, God, I, I don't know what to do. Uh, they're, they're coming. We're going to get destroyed. And God said, get up. It's not time to pray right now. Get up. Take your staff and hold it over the, the, uh, the, the water. In fact, he says, take my staff. And he took the staff, and he puts it over the water, and the water parts. And Moses and the children of Israel didn't sort of go through on soggy ground. The Bible says God opened the waters, totally dried up the ground, and they walked through on dry ground. I've always thought that's so cool to walk through and see that. I mean, you walk by and say, ooh, look at that fish, and look at that one. Come on, we got to go. we got to get to the other side. And uh, I mean, it would be so, so distracting, and you're looking at what's going on. Man, what an amazing thing to get to the other side. I mean, I mean, I, I, uh, you, they get to the other side, and 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 Pharaoh's army watches them do this, and they and he says, "Well, if they can do it, we can do it." And they start through, and God says, "No, no, not for you." And the water comes down and drowns them, and they've been delivered. They've been delivered. Then Moses takes them out into the wilderness. And he, he, he tells them, hey, it's time to take the land. But before we take the land, I, I, I need to give you God's truth. And Moses takes the word of God, or God goes, I'm sorry, Moses goes up to Mount Sinai and he meets with God. And God gives them Ten Commandments. God gives them his law. God gives him his word so that they can live by it. And so that they can do what God wants them to do. That's why he gives them the law of God. Then they come out. Now, they're disobedient, and so they wind up wandering in the wilderness for 40 years. But then as God is ready to take them into the promised land, God says, listen, this word that I've given to Moses in this place that I've given to you is not just for you, it's for your families. 
And, and God says to, to Moses, Moses, Moses tells him in Deuteronomy, he says, look, this, these words that I'm giving to you, this law that I've commanded you to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, this is given to you so that you can pass it on to your children so that they'll live long and prosper in the land that I've given to them. I've given you this so that they will have it. And you're to give this, he says in Deuteronomy 6, he says, I'm giving this to you and to your children and to your children's children. I want you to diligently teach this unto your children. Talk of them when, you, when thou sittest in thine house and when thou walkest by the way and when thou liest down and when thou risest up. You teach your children, you teach your children's children to love me with all their heart, soul, and mind. I'm giving this to you. So this is all about family and all about building the family of Israel, the family of God. And then the Bible says this, it's interesting. God didn't just take them. All of this was God working through Moses. He didn't just take them there to be selfish unto themselves and to have a land unto themselves. But the Bible tells us in Isaiah that God put them in that place so that they would be eventually a light to the Gentiles. I will also give thee for a light to the Gentiles that thou mayest be my salvation unto the ends of the earth. God's plan was them for them to give the gospel everywhere they went and they did and god wanted the light from israel to shine unto all other nations so that so that as we saw in the tomorrowland series as the nation of israel prospered they were affecting they were sending prophets to all different countries like jonah into nineveh preaching the gospel being a light to the gentiles that was god's plan that was God's priorities. And God used Moses because Moses was a man of prayer, because he prayed and believed God, because he understood God's priorities. He understood these priorities. And he pursued God's plan. And he participated in God's word. Now the thing is that I want to talk to you about today specifically is this. We look at Moses and we say, wow, look at the miracles God did for him. And wow, look what God did back there in the Old Testament. And even look what God did in the New Testament. And look what, how God used Peter and James and John. But I want you to understand that that same God is working today. God is doing miracles today. If you believe that, say amen. God is doing a, has done a wonderful work. I have watched God in the last 50 years work in the Las Vegas Valley in an amazing way. In 1973, as a senior in high school, I prayed that God would allow me to come back to Las Vegas and start a church. I prayed, in fact, I prayed this. I heard that, that John Knox had prayed for Scotland, give me Scotland or I die. I, I drove up to Sunrise Mountain, and I looked out at the Las Vegas Valley, and I said, God, I don't know what this means, but give me Las Vegas or I die. I want to be able to preach the gospel here in the Las Vegas Valley. I want to see lost people get saved. I can remember as a 17-year-old, there was a dirt lot over far, miles east from here, but it was a big vacant lot, and I would go out there, nobody was around, it would be twilight, nobody was around, and I would stand up, and I would picture an octagon building, and I would stand there, and I would preach. There was a little mound of dirt that somebody had, just a junk had, had, had piled there, and I'd stand up there like I was on a platform, and I would preach, and I would preach, and then I'd say, I'd say let's sing some songs, and I would sing some songs, and, I'd, and I would pray, and I dreamt that God would allow us 
to start a church here in Las Vegas. That God would allow us to start a Christian school in Las Vegas. I was going to Rancho High School and there was peer pressure all the time to do the wrong thing. And it didn't take much pressure uh, to get me to do the wrong thing. I sort of just naturally did the wrong thing. And so, I mean, I was, I was facing this peer pressure all the time and I didn't want it. And I thought it would be great if there was a Christian school in Las Vegas where kids could be pressured to do the right thing and, 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 and want to encourage one another to do the right thing instead of the wrong thing. And I, I prayed that God would open the door for me to do that. And, and then God led me to go to, to Liberty uh, Baptist College. And, and at that time it was Lynchburg Baptist College and later became uh, Liberty University. Well, I prayed that God could, for, for, and God led us there when I got there. In fact, I prayed and said, God, where do you want me to go to college? Just let me know. And, and application, an application came from this new college called Lynch, Lynchburg Baptist College. And I thought, well, that's amazing. That's of God, but I don't want to go all the way to Virginia, so I threw away that application. And then, two weeks later, another application came. I thought, wow, that's a miracle. I didn't realize that Jerry Falwell was sending applications to anybody that breathed that was a high school senior, and so I just getting them and getting them and getting them. But I thank the Lord, because when I got there, I met this beautiful lady named Anna. And I told God, I said, God, I'm not going to date anybody for four years. And because I'm just going to focus on serving you. I made that promise in, in September, and then in October I met Anna. <laughs> and so we started talking about the things of God and talking about the things of the Lord. And in fact, I, I, I was so... I was, so, I was concerned because I kept meeting her and she kept talking about Jesus and we kept talking about the Lord and I thought, man, she's wonderful. But I told God I'm not supposed to date anybody for four years. So I went and I told my roommate, and I've told you this before, I told my roommate, Wayne, I said, Wayne, I said, I met this girl named Anna, she's beautiful and I, 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 I would like to date her, but I told God I'm not going to date anybody for four years. And he said, good. And I said, why? He said, because I want to date her. <laughs> then I knew, I knew that God was giving me a sign and so, so I decided to date her. We dated for four years, and we talked about coming back out to Las Vegas and starting a church. We wanted to get the gospel to every single home in the city of Las Vegas. That was my goal. My goal from, from, from day one was to deliver God's people. By the way, I want you to understand, uh, we, we prayed about that. We sought God's will about that. And then four years later, we graduated, and we came out to Las Vegas. We came out to Las Vegas with this desire. This is what we wanted. We wanted, number one, to get the gospel to every single home in the city of Las Vegas. In fact, I, I wasn't really thrilled, humanly speaking, about coming back to Las Vegas. I like trees. I like birds. I like water. By the way, we've had some water in the sky, white stuff falling out of the sky here. This has been an amazing year for Las Vegas, but, but I, I like, we like that. I like, I like being out in the woods. We don't have a whole lot of that around here. So I said to the Lord, Lord, if you want me to go back to Las Vegas, I was born and raised in Las Vegas, I'll go back to Las Vegas, I'll give the gospel to every single home in the city of Las Vegas. Then when nobody responds, we'll leave. And we'll go where there's trees. And we'll, but God didn't let that happen. We, but our, our, our number one goal, our number one goal was to come to Las Vegas and give the gospel to every single home in the city of Las Vegas. That's what we determined to do. Just like Mo Moses was, said, okay, I'll go and I'll preach deliverance. And, and I, I want you to understand, we came out here, when we came out here, we had $500 in the bank account. 
$500 in our bank account. That was it. And uh, we got out here, and uh, we, b before we got out here, before we got out here, we didn't have a place to live or a place to meet. And so it's about two months before I'm supposed to get married and then move out to Las Vegas. I don't have a place to live or a place to meet. I'm supposed to provide for my wife. I'm supposed to provide. I, we have no place to meet. We have no place to live. And I'm thinking, what are we going to do? One night I got really burdened about that. And so I went into my, to my bedroom. And I, I, I leaned over my bed. And I just put my hand on my bed. And I just started saying, God, if you really want me to go to Las Vegas, the plans are for me to go. Everything is ready. I mean, we're, we're going to be out of here in a little while. But we don't have a place to meet. And we don't have a place to live. God, I need either a place to live or a place to meet. But God, you've got to give me either a place to live or a place to meet. God, I have to know. I have to know that this is what you want. God, please give me a place to live or a place to meet. I stayed down on my knees for three hours from 9 o'clock till 12 o'clock. Nothing eloquent. I just said, God, I need a place to live or a place to meet. God, I need that. I, I fell asleep several times, woke up, wa wa wiped off the drool. Um, and, I, and I just said, God, I need a place to live or a place to meet. I stayed there for three hours. I got up because the phone rang. When I got up, my knees were, my legs were like asleep. And I almost fell going over to the phone. I got the phone. I answered the phone. I'm thinking, who's calling me at midnight? I, get, I, I pick up the phone. I said, uh, hello. And, and uh, the, on the voice on the other side said, hey, Dave, Dave, is that you? Uh, this is Al Whalen. I said, Al, why are you calling me at midnight? He said, oh, I forgot. I forgot about the time difference. He was here in Las Vegas. He just got out of a meeting uh, at Gateway Baptist Church with the trustees of Gateway Baptist Church. He said, you know what I've been doing for the last three hours? I said, no. He said, he said I've been in a meeting I, a trustees meeting in our church. I said, really? I said, so why are you calling me? He said, because you were what we were talking about. For the last three hours, we were talking about you. I said, oh, what were you talking about? He said, we, we know that you're coming out here to start a church. I had not told them that I was coming out to start a church. We know that you're coming out to start a church. And, and, and so we want to. Now, four years before, I talked about I was going off to college and I was going to come back and start a church, but that was it. We know you're coming out here to start a church, and, and, and we want to help. And so for the last three hours, the three hours that I was on my knees, the last three hours, we've been in a trust me, trustees meeting, and this is what we've been discussing, whether we want to rent you a place to live or a place to meet. Exactly what I... Can you say amen to that? Hallelujah. I mean, I'm telling you. I got off the phone, and I thought, man... I should have been praying for a place to meet and a place to live. <laughs> God took care, answered that prayer. I'm, I'm telling you, we knew that God wanted us to come out, but we didn't have any resources. God, somebody bought us or rented us a U-Haul trailer. Somebody had given me a car, and they made me pay $75 for it. I had a 1973 Ford Torino with a smashed-in front fender, and we drove that across a country. We got out here in 19, it was 1977. Got out here, my wife had never been in a desert before in her life. 
She had no idea what it was like. I told her, if you want to find out what it's like in Las Vegas in the summertime, to go into your house, turn up your oven to 350 degrees, wait till it totally and completely preheats, open it up and stick your head inside. That's Las <laughs> Vegas in the summer. She, 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 she didn't believe me until we got out here. We got out here on July 10th at 10 o'clock at night, and the bank sign said 110 degrees. And that, that's, that was the beginning. We came out here, and, and, but our, our goal, our goal honestly was just to, 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 to tell everybody we could, everybody in Las Vegas, how they can know for sure they're going to heaven. We want people to know for sure they're going to heaven. We want people to know that Jesus loves them and he died for them and was buried and rose from the dead for them. That's what we determined to do. And so we got out here. We, uh, the church rented us a place to meet. Gateway Baptist Church rented us a place to meet. And, uh, and then we had to find a place to live. And a lady walked up to my mother and said to my mom in the trailer park that she lived in in North Las Vegas, she said, hey, we're leaving town for the next three months. We need somebody who will rent our, uh, our, our trailer and just pay the rent space. That's, it's $100 a month for the next three months. Do you know anybody that would be interested? And my mom said, I think somebody. And she called me up and she said, would you be interested? I said, yeah, we need a place. I mean, who wants to take their new bride and move in with their mother, right? So, uh, I, so, so we rented that place. That took 300 of $500 that we had, $500. So we got back. Now we have $200 to live on until the church starts. So we decided to start the church real quick. And so, uh, so we, got, we got flyers. We made up some flyers. We went door to door. We knocked on 100 doors a day, five days a week. We did that for eight weeks, just going out in the heat, knocking on doors, telling people about, uh, about the Lord. And, uh, and our first Sunday was September 11th, 1977. That day, we had 68 people come into our services. We were thrilled. Two people trusted Jesus as Lord and Savior. Can you say amen to that? That day, we... <laughs> yeah, that's something to clap over. That's wonderful. That day, it was time to take an offering, and this was, this was exactly what I did. I stood up and I said, it's time to take an offering today. I said, people wonder why you take an offering. The reason we're taking an offering today is because... Uh, my wife and I only have $14 in our bank account. We had literally given everything we had to start that church. And there was uh, th this church. We had $14 left in our bank account. And uh, I said, if we don't get a good offering today, we don't get to eat this week. And we, we, that day we got a $268 offering. And uh, from that, we took a, a portion of it and paid a, a salary. We actually had a salary. We actually had some money left over to put into the, into the bank. And, and we were excited because we were starting. But I want you to understand this. We, we, uh, we, our, our number one goal <clears throat> wasn't to eat. Our number one goal was to, nope, not, not there yet, was to get the gospel to every single, <laughs> get the gospel to every single home in the city of Las Vegas. We didn't realize that goal until 1991. But twice now in the history of this church, we have given the gospel to every single home in the city of Las Vegas. And praise the Lord. Amen. That's from two poor kids that came out here and started uh, to do what God wanted them to do. Now, now, beyond that, we knew, just like when Moses took the children of Israel out of the promised land, we knew that we needed a place to meet. We needed a place to, uh, to, to meet. We needed a permanent location. 
And, and so we started praying. This is a mountain. It's a symbol for our church because in, in Joshua, the Bible says that Caleb said, give me that mountain. And so uh, there's a, uh, a, there was an old song we used to sing, I want that mountain. We prayed that God would give us a place to meet. We needed, we needed a miracle because I'm telling you, we had, we had no money. Uh, our, church, our church first met in a school building. We were in that school building for six months and then they, they quadrupled our our rent because the church was growing so much we went from uh, from two hundred dollars a month they quadrupled it to a thousand dollars a month to, to, to go in there on Sunday morning and leave on Sunday night so we had a one day a week for a thousand dollars a month and we said we can't do this we need a place a perm, somewhat semi-permanent that we don't have to move in and out and we moved into a great big warehouse building and we sectioned off a piece of this warehouse building and we were there for two years and then the owner sold the warehouse building we were things were going along uh, pretty good and uh, uh, by our second anniversary we had 210 people going to the services then they sold our building and everything. By our third anniversary, we were down to 50 or 60 people. And we didn't know what we were going to do. But God opened a door for us, and we moved into this dance studio. And in the, <laughs> that's our Baptist dance studio. And boy, did we dance for Jesus. And so uh, it was so wonderful to have a, a place where we could meet and to know that, that God had provided that place for us to meet. So we met in that dance studio, but we knew that we had to get a permanent location. So we started praying. And without going into great detail, because I don't have the time to go into great detail, when, when, when we began to meet in that place, uh, we began to pray that God would give us a place to meet. We started looking at two and a half acre parcels that we could meet on. And we went, to, we, we, one day I, I, I said, Lord, we, we found this two and a half acre parcel. It had it, it was an ugly piece of property. Uh, normally, two and a half acres was selling for $150,000. And I thought, man, we, we can't afford that. But we found this piece of property for $80,000. And I said, Lord, help us to get that. And so I went before the church and I said to the church, we need to raise $80,000 by a certain date in order, to get, in order to get that piece of property. I want you to pray with me about helping me get that property. And so we prayed. At that time, I heard a preacher, a nationally known preacher, say that, he, that God had given them a $5 million matching gift. And, they were, and uh, so for every dollar you gave, it would be matched. I said, God, why can't you do something like that for me? Give me a matching gift. I, I announced that on Sunday. That Monday, I... That Monday, I, I'm laying in bed, and the phone rings. And this old guy, who's about 77 years old, about your age, Rob, uh, <laughs> was an old guy, and he, he, call, he called me up. He wasn't even a member of our church. He said, hey, Dave. I said, yeah. He said, this is Mac. I said, hi, Mac. Mac was a guy that lived in an apartment by himself, and nobody cared about him. We invited him over for Thanksgiving and cared about him. Didn't know anything about him except that nobody cared about him. So he said, hey, Dave. He said, I want to ask you a question. I said, what's that? He said, he said uh, you really think that little old church of yours can raise $80,000? I said, well, Mac, I'm trusting Jesus. It's, it's Monday morning. Why are, you, why are you bothering me? That's what I wanted to say, but I didn't. I said, well, Mac, I'm trusting God and, and just believing God. He said, well, I'll tell you what I think. He said, I don't think that church can raise $80,000. $80, I said, well, thanks for the encouragement. Uh, no, I didn't say that. I said, well, you know, we're just trusting God. I said, God can do what we can't do. And uh, he said, well, he said, I don't think you can do it. So he said, what I'm going to do is give that church $45,000. He said, you think you can raise the rest? I said, what? 
I said, did you say four to five thousand dollars? He said, no, Dave, you heard what I said. I said forty five thousand dollars. I said, and then I said something really stupid. I said, oh, Mac, you're not even a member of our church. You don't need to give forty five thousand dollars. And my wife, that's when my wife popped up out of bed and she said, shut up. <laughs> Through a process of time, God allowed us to raise the rest of that money. We were able to purchase, uh, we, were, we, were, we, were, we were going to purchase that piece of property, but the city said, no, you can't have that two-and-a-half-acre parcel. We won't let you build a church on that. So we went to another parcel, and the, and, and the county said, no, you can't, you can't build on that piece of property. In a process of time, over a period of about six months, God led us to a piece of property that was federal property that we could buy for 50% of fair market value. We didn't know about it. We were able to make an arrangement with the federal government to buy a piece of property from the federal government that was 17 and a half acres in size, and they were going to sell it to us for $90,000. Now, that was amazing. We were going to look at two and a half acres for 80000 Now we're looking at 17 and a half acres for, for, for $90,000. It was amazing. And then, once we were ready to sign the contract with the federal government, the city government called us up. And the city government said, hey, we understand you're trying to buy a piece of property from the federal government. And I said, yes. They said, well, we don't want you to buy that property. I said, it's the only property we can get. They said, oh, no, we'll sell you another piece of property. I said, really? They said, yeah, we want that because we're going to build a high-tech industrial park out there, and we don't want you there. I said, I don't mind being there. They said, we don't want you there. I said, okay, so what are we going to do? They said, well, we'll sell you another piece of property. We'll give you several parcels that you can pick from, and you pick whatever you want. We'll sell it to you for whatever the government, you're paying the government for. I said, okay. So they showed us this piece of property. It was 21 and a half acres. It was worth $2.1 million. And they sold it to us for $90,000. Yes! That's God. That's God. That's totally and completely God. And God gave us this piece of property. That was, that was 32 years ago, and we've been building on this property ever since. And we did that for many, many years. For like 16 years, we continually built. Then we got to a point where we had a $2.1 million debt, and we decided, hey, we need to get rid of that debt. We just need to eliminate that debt. You see, our priority was to get the gospel to every single home. Then those people that got saved, they needed a home to go to so they can be taught the Word of God. And then our priority as Moses, Moses went out and got the Ten Commandments. We realize that now it's our responsibility every week to preach the Word of God. So this Sunday, when you come in here Sunday morning, whether you come on Sunday night, whether you come on Wednesday night, whether you come to one of the Bible studies throughout the week, whether you come, whatever it is, everything is focused on the Word of God, the Word of God, the Word of God. That's the priority. That's the priority. That's why God let us see people saved. That's why God's given us a home so that we can have, so that we can uh, preach pe to, to people not our opinion, not what we think, but not not social, not social the social agenda, but preach the word of God. Say amen to that, and that's what we do here. Now, with that, the Bible tells us when when Moses went into the promised land, that right before they walked into the promised land. God said, look, you tell my people this. You tell, the, tell my people that this is not just for you. It's for your children and for your children's children. So we asked God to allow us to focus on family. And, God, and we prayed that God would allow our family to serve him and honor him. And God's now, now it's 45 years later, we have 
uh, we have 19 grandchildren and 10 children, and we're seeing God work through our family. But not only that, we're seeing God work through families all across, the, all throughout this city and, through, and throughout this church. Lives have been transformed. We're teaching. Our focus is on the family. We want to help every family in this church become what God wants them to be. We want to teach you how to teach your children so that we're, we're reaching our children and our children's children. And, and it goes from generation to generation. We want to generationally impact this city with the gospel of Jesus Christ. But we don't want to just be self-centered. See, just like God told Moses, look, or God God said through Isaiah that this, this country, Israel, is to be a light to all the Gentiles. We need to go into all the world. We need to tell people about Jesus Christ. Our, our priorities are to tell everyone in the world about Jesus Christ. And that's why we have, we've su- supported hundreds of missionary projects. Last year, we gave over $400,000 to missionaries. Can you say amen to that? And we saw, uh, literally, we've seen tens of thousands of people saved just in the, in the last year. And we've seen hundreds of thousands of people trust Christ as Lord and Savior through our missions outreach because that is God's priority. That's what God wants us to do. Moses was led of God and he became a person of prayer. He was, a, a, he was blessed of God because he was a man that prayed. He was blessed of God because he understood God's priorities. He understood, he pursued God's plan. And then he participated in God's work through giving. I'm telling you, God wants to work today. And God wants to continue to work in our church. And, and God will bless your life. And you can secure the blessings of God in your life if you get involved. And I want to see God continue to bless this church. That's why we give to missions. That's why we focus on the family. That's why we preach the Word of God. That's why we've got this place. That's why we try to reach everybody we can. Because because these are the priorities of God. And we want to do what God wants us to do. But in order to do that, people have got to participate. And while, you, while, while, while you're here today, we want to encourage you to participate in two ways. Number one, if you've never trusted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, then today ask him to give you eternal life. Put your faith in him and get saved. And Christian, I'm asking you today to give. Get involved in giving to the Grand 1000 Club. In just a few minutes, we're going to take an offering. We're going to ask you to give to the Grand 1000 Club and help us secure this property for future generations and allow us to move forward into future projects to expand this ministry for the glory of God. Let's pray. Father, help us to take your truth. Thank you for the miracles that you've given to us here in this church. Father, I want to see you continue to bless. And I pray, Father, for every person that's here, I pray that you'll bless them. If there's somebody here that's not saved, I pray you'll save them right now. And Father, for those who are saved, I pray that they'll get involved. We hope that message was an encouragement to your heart. Now for weekly updates and for information about Liberty Baptist Church, be sure to follow us on Twitter and like us on Facebook at LBC of Las Vegas. Well, that's it for today. Thanks again for listening. Until next time, God bless.